0: The Big Small Business Show is brought to you by Chartered Accountants of South Africa. Transform the future of your business. Partner with the CASA today.
1: And the courage to grow is business. MTN Business. A new world of business.
2: On the menu today. Originally, I was going to advocate to not go into the manufacturing at all, or even for a much later stage. But when I asked you a couple of questions, I found myself changing my mind about what I would tell you is that I would go into the manufacturing.
1: We were inspired by uh, Simon Sinek, yes. um, and uh, as many people have in his approach to the, what's called the golden circle. Uh, And uh, he very clearly stated that every business out there knows what they do. A few of them know how they do it, but very few really do know why they do what they do. Today we are talking
3: about is my funding need uh, real or BS? And when I say BS I don't mean big small. Okay, so what do you mean by that Kamara? hello and welcome to the big small business show now on this show we support entrepreneurs at every part of their journey if you've had that crazy crazy idea i want to know how to make it into something commercial or you are in that part of the business cycle where you're having all sorts of expansion issues people issues control issues All those kind of issues that all of us entrepreneurs experience this is the show for you now this part of the show is our panel where we speak with entrepreneurs who are dealing with one particular issue or other Uh, and uh, with me in on the panel is Kumaran our uh, finance guru Uh, Kumaran has been assisting entrepreneurs with their financial uh, issues for for many, many years and actually financing them and understands them from a finance perspective. Our marketing guru is Mona Lisa. Uh, Mona Lisa um, is looking from a perspective of the brand, from how the website looks, how do you get out there, all the marketing aspects of the business. Now our guest in studio today is Paul Bartles, founder of Waterbock Fire and Water. This is a startup company born from personal loss when Paul's farm burnt down. He consequently designed and manufactured a piece of equipment that can put out small fires and entered this product into the African Entrepreneurship Award competition hosted by BMCE Bank of Africa. He was a winner in this, his category and took home a hundred thousand US dollars. In business startup prize money. Now, Paul is uh, ready to take the next entrepreneurial step and came to visit us for some guidance. Let's have a look.
0: Waterbock Fire and Water is a startup business that seeks to provide firefighting services within communities, empowering them to quickly respond to a fire while still small. After a wildfire destroyed the property he lived on, the founder of the business, Paul Bartels, built and developed a cart prototype out of locally available materials and components, which can not only be used to tackle fire, but can also be used to convey water and firewood for household use and growing vegetables.
4: By living on this farm and and seeing what had happened uh, to myself, I thought, well, what about other farmers? What about other communities? Uh, Would this not be a suitable product too? So, yes, there are firefighting units out there, but this seemed to fit into a very specific niche. Something a bit bigger than a backpack and something a little smaller than your your bucky-sucky. So, and again, you need something that's always available. Uh, Similar, I would think, to a fire extinguisher that you'd find in a building. What do we have in the countryside? We don't really have something suitable. So this f- uh, seemed to fit into that uh, particular niche.
0: With the relatively small clientele and producing his pots at a very small scale, Paul seeks to distribute his products into the communities in the informal settlements and small to large scale farmers who continue to experience wildfires that destroy their crops and homes.
4: By w- one year goal, I would like to get it as quickly as possible into the market, the product as quickly as possible into the market, uh, for two reasons. Uh, the one is uh, one shouldn't ever have time to waste. Mm-hmm. This business needs to be launched. And at the same time, then, this business would then be, one, I would see the users using the product. Uh, and from that, to be able to judge uh, where are we, at what point are we, How should more of the components be outsourced Do I go straight into manufacture? When do I go into own manufacture? Because at the moment I'm obviously outsourcing different aspects and then doing the assembly over here. As you heard,
3: Paul asked uh, that we assist him with guidance on how to go to market. Welcome Paul. Thank you. Right, a very interesting product there. Now let's just start off by trying to understand, you spoke about sort of where it sat in a niche. But I'm really concerned about whether that niche really exists. I mean, are, how are people currently uh, in a fire situation trying to deal with it? Are they carrying buckets? Like what is the
4: current modus operandi that uh, you are seeing as an opportunity? So currently, yes, there's backpacks, for instance, uh, anywhere from 15 to 20 litres. But again, that's, that's pretty heavy. After you've carried that for an hour, you'll know all about it. So you want a little more water. Uh, the next kind of size up would then be a bucky Sucky. So again, you need a vehicle, you need a driver, you need petrol. So the whole idea of this was to, how do you have something that's, that's embedded within a community and that they can use immediately as opposed to buckets or beating a fire? Now I'm, I'm,
3: I'm a little, um, I'm a novice here. I don't understand firefighting. But when I looked at 65 liters, it doesn't seem like a lot of water. I mean how long would that how
4: long would it take to use that up yeah well again it's a case of what's what's the next best or below that is 15 to 20 liters so it's three to four times more water with one man operating it and by having this design you're able to get into areas that for instance would be difficult to get in with a vehicle for instance so you could for instance cut three or four wires on a fence and you can get into areas where a vehicle can't get into and again trying to carry a, a backpack is it becomes a real problem after a while.
3: Last question for me is around the, the actual product the patenting of that is the product patented it does it have a design patent? or? Anything? There is a
4: design patent Yeah, and okay. there's patent pending. Okay great.
2: Uh, who's the buyer?
4: Okay, the, the market as we see it is, is there's, there's a huge scope and obviously we want to try and focus initially on, on certain uh, markets. So from your large commercial farmers who might have a bucky sucky, and for instance by law, there's a law that says uh, all farms must make fire breaks. Even into that market it fits because again, once you're making a fire break, you've got to have follow up behind. Often felt fires break out because the guys have gone along for two so or three commercial So commercial farmers, one. So commercial farmers. Is there second? Then there's private farmers, uh, any farmers uh, from any kind of size down to a small-scale uh, small farmer, also plot owners. Is there a third? And, of course, a third thing we'd like to go into at some stage would be water provision uh, for communities. And that would be a different thrust. That okay. would be more your philanthropic uh, donor. So
2: you're selling to the farmers? To the
4: but, but I think there's and another.
3: Uh, yeah. But I think there's another market which I picked up in, in the clip, which was, uh, or the reading, was the fact that you ha- would have eight agencies as potential buyers for distribution. Correct. Is that, yes. is that another market?
4: Yes. So that would be a market uh, for those that can't really afford uh, it. If you think of your small scale farmers mm. uh, who, who are a bit cash strapped, so they have nothing except buckets, yeah. maybe, and beaters, and break a branch. So there is that, uh, that area. And again, because of our urban wildlands area getting bigger and bigger, we have more people urbanizing, we have this real threat of, of felt fire. So also your plot owners. Mm. So you might not be a farmer, but you own a piece of land out in wherever. And uh, it's too expensive to really go and buy a specific pickup or a trailer s- uh, specifically to fight fires why not have two or three of these embedded w- what do you what are you charging for them what do you, what's the
0: in the region
3: of
4: three thousand
3: eight hundred okay well me send the last questions before the break
0: and then I- in info, I- informal settlements you know where it's not f- um, farm specific but also has high risk because of the condensity what would be the avenue to to give them access to to something like this would it not involve private um, sponsoring or, 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 or CSI, I don't yeah. know.
4: I think that's very important. And again, to identify communities that really have a need for it. We know that women and children have to um, sometimes walk up to four or five kilometers carrying water, mm. either on their heads or, or carrying it. So yeah, there would be a market. And to get into uh, NGOs, for instance, that are working with communities already, uh, to certainly be working with municipalities. Uh, and to be able to then identify communities and then through CSI spend or philanthropic or, or specific donors to try and say, okay, this community needs so many units, let's get it into the community. Okay.
3: Well, the, we have to take a break now. After the break, we'll continue with more questions for Paul. Do you stay tuned. Mm-hmm. Welcome back now. Our guest in studio today is Paul Bartels, founder of Waterbuck Fire and Water. This business offers a product that enables a person to put out small fires in the countryside and it can also be used as a vehicle to transport wood and water. Now, before the break, we were trying to get a sense of what the market was, what the pricing was, uh, and where the opportunity might lie, and what the general market would be uh, out there and how this product. Now fitted into the, the, the actual market. Uh, let's carry on with you, Manlisa.
0: Um, I then wanted to ask, obviously, when you go to market uh, demand, um, your manufacturing capability at the moment, would it be able to support increase in demand? Uh,
4: so at the moment, uh, I'm outsourcing. Okay. Uh, the, uh, so th- the unit consists of three b- uh, basic uh, components. So it's the tank, mm-hmm. so that is rotor molded, and then the undercarriage and the boom, which also then folds back so that it can go into small smaller areas, yeah. uh, and then the belt the belt assembly that has a spring on it, so that when you start walking forward, you know you pull against a spring you 're not pulling a dead weight so all, uh, all of that is being outsourced at the moment, uh, but obviously what i i 'd like to investigate is uh, own production because that of course would uh, influence the price and bring it down so that it 's more affordable for more communities
2: okay some questions from, from me the first one cost to outsource manufacture versus doing it yourself do you have a sense what that differential would be percentage or rand wise
4: yes there is I do What's have a, a sense of it it's probably in the region of a thousand rand
2: right so it's eh? that's
4: quite substantial right there.
2: and um, what would it cost you to set up the manufacturing thing to do that Yes, we're probably talking about a setup of, of a half a million rand. Half a million rand, okay. And how are you selling this currently? And 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 the the intention to grow selling it? Yeah.
4: So at the moment, it's a startup that's it's
2: fresh. Okay, so what's uh, your plan? So selling the
4: plan it? is to, to try and get into some sort of agricultural distribution channel. Yes. Uh, that would be, I, I think, first prize. Yes. And then obviously, myself being very, I'm very, in, I'm, from a wildlife uh, a veterinarian background, so I really want to be able to get into uh, a situation where one can go to shows, one can go to farmers' meetings and try and, and, and really uh, g- get it out there as quickly as possible in as many different uh, areas as possible.
2: Okay Okay.
3: All right, for, for me, the, the, uh, you know, the distribution is the one thing. Do you have relationships I- in any distribution channels right now? Have you gone to any of them? Have you shown them the product?
4: I've gone uh, from, a, from a testing point of view. I took it to Working on Fire, which is a DEA program uh, where uh, fires are fought in different areas. Um, certainly in the Cape and various other people. So it's, it's a very big program. So I took it more to them to test it actually in the field. Mm. Uh, and the, the feedback was this is a great product as, uh, from their point of view as to follow up when they're making fire breaks. Um, so, and then, of course, uh, farmers in my area, I've taken it to them, and they think, hey, this is a great idea because it can be there all the time. So if a fire breaks out, you don't necessarily have to have a bucky mm-hmm. uh, or something there immediately. So from that point of view, it seems to be a product that could be of value to many different segments. Uh, but obviously, I need to start and tackle those segments. Yeah, let me
3: ask you a, a quite a weird question. You, you currently are farming right now. No, no, I'm not, not a farmer, no, no.
4: no. Well, what do you do? It's a lifestyle. I lecture at a university. at okay. a university of technology. Okay, so you
3: okay, all right, that's good, a good point. So do, let me finish, don't, don't cut it, man. D- <laughs> <breathing. Okay. laughs> so, so you're a lecturer right now. How do you, uh, do you want to run a business? I mean, this is, if this is, uh, you know, c- takes, catches the light, to yeah. scu- excuse the pun, are you, are you the, the person
4: who would drive this? Do you want that yeah i'm actually very keen um, to to dive into business all my life i've kind of worked in conservation and produced uh, a product that the government bought and took over and and it's a great social thing benefit but i've always had this how how do i combine that kind of you know be socially aware uh, have a purpose you know uh, and at the same time then make it commercially viable so i'm i 'm kind of itching to get into that space I'm no, I know i 'm a bit old for that, no, but you're not, you're but not. Uh, never but i 'm itching to get into it and to to show the purpose and and to have an effect at the end of the day where where communities actually benefit and people come back and say, "Hey, you know this is Ray
2: Crock went into McDonald's when he was 52 years old, mm. down and out. So ages forget about age. <laughs> and it,
3: he's itching to ask a question. Yes,
2: vanguarding. Yeah, you
0: were breathing <laughs> <laughs> i <can> we
2: <laughs> uh, signalling. So of the different functions that this business has, you know, there's the the manufacturing function, then there's the marketing function. Which part c- excites you the most? Which one you think you'll Hey, that one's going to float yeah. my boat.
4: Uh, I think the marketing. Uh, okay. I want to get out there. Good. Uh, I want to be at these shows. I want to be uh, mm-hmm. presenting it. I want to go into situations
2: where we look at uh, possibilities. And uh, just on that manufacturing thing, half a million Rand, that's for the full setup. eh? Yeah, Everything. Do. And it's not really complicated or as it is. It's knick-knacks, the to manufacturing.
4: I, I hope. <laughs> uh, for instance, rotor molding, one can buy these machines that okay. could do single units at a mm-hmm. time. So I, I think it's going to be okay. OK. I'm obviously a bit uh, weary about, you know, then one needs properly trained people, and so it gets, gets more complicated. So I want to, to investigate that fully. So yeah. I think initially from the, the finance at the moment, I would like to get a whole bunch of units made, made up as quickly as possible, and then, then throw it into the market.
2: OK.
3: All right. So it's time for us uh, to take a break. Uh, Straight after that, we'll come back with our summaries. And because Sir Kumaran's been itching to go, we're going to start off with you, OK? Are you happy? We'll be right back. Welcome back now, guest in studio today is Paul Bartels, founder of Waterbuck Fire and Water. This business offers a product that enables a person to put out small fires in the countryside and it can also be used as a vehicle to transport wood and water. Now before the break we were trying to get a sense now of uh, where the the markets lie, what are the market opportunities uh, for, for this product and where in fact Paul would like to be uh, as uh, would he like to be the person out there selling which is what he said or manufacturing wh- where does he fit into this whole business. Well it's time for my summaries and as you heard Kumaran was chomping at the bit to get to, to ask all sorts of questions so we're going to get him out of the way and uh, you can please give your summaries mm. now.
2: <laughs> Alright so I think it's great that you're at this age you, you, you know, you're going into business don't ever feel it's too too old, I've, I've made that clear. And uh, I have no sense of the market demand and niche because I don't come from that background. But you do, so I'll take that at face value. Intuitively, it kind of makes sense to me. Originally, I was gonna advocate to not go into the manufacturing at all, or even for a much later stage. But when I asked you a couple of questions, I found myself changing my mind about what I would tell you is that I would go into the manufacturing not initially make the first few batches whatever it is and get that sold and get that out the way so as a short second step you know maybe within 12 months or something like that I would I would set up the manufacturing for a few reasons one it only costs 500,000 and so it's not a a big capex second I don't imagine from looking at the product that it's something too intricate and complicated Uh, three You've got, hun- you got a thousand rand differential on your car. Co- I mean, that's a, that's a big number. If it was itsy-bitsy, I would have said it's not worth the headaches. You know, stuff it. Uh, but a thousand rand per unit, that's, that's a big number. And also, you love the marketing side. So that's good, because if you loved the factory side, you're gonna, you know, it's going to be worse. You're fueling feel, your, <laughs> your desire there. You're going to be stuck in that factory and not going out and visiting customers. Whereas you love the marketing, you will see the manufacturing as a means to an end. So I would do that as a very quick second step once you've gotten the initial batch out the way. And, uh, and obviously then you know you need to focus on the distribution side. You would strike me as a good advocate, a legitimate advocate, ambassador for this thing. Uh, but you would need to perhaps look at some agencies you know, that has can get you into a distribution channel, whether it's a hardware or agricultural agency. So one alliance sale would take you into 50 stores or whatever you call those things in this for me. That's it.
3: Thank, Thank you. Thank you. It was actually Thanks. very valuable. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
0: Well, um, from my yes. side, I think, um, you know, just having the interaction with you, um, I, I, you know, obviously not having the full, you know, in, um, understanding of the industry, but I think from a technical and a social and a passion perspective, you've got that all ticked. And I think what what I would want for the product, and I'd want for you, is you know um, you know use in the market, regular use in the market, so that the impact could be valued and contextualized very quickly, because that will add to the marketing. Mm-hmm. Aspect of it and the value in it, so you want more of those because I think what you have been doing as a startup is to trial it and see that it works and see that you know f- obviously a farmer wants to understand the technicalities and 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 the reliability of it. Yes. But I think once you get a, a a real sense that you know this was kind of this community was saved, this you know because how many of these stories, tragic stories, do we hear of and we we, we hear then later vehicles couldn't access and so forth. Where now this brand becomes that association of of intervening in that, that becomes the market value. That becomes what you want to sell and that becomes the enhanced social impact. So I'm really urging, you know, and itching for you to to get it out and then its use is is is, is valued quite quickly and an impact of course. So that it's not advice but it's really a, a wish that it happens really quickly for you and the brand because it, it would be impeccable that that it bec- it's what it becomes known for countrywide g- continent wise wi- 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 wild as well Ken. thank you
3: thanks Vanissa so, from my from perspective, uh, maybe a slightly different angle and a slight um, difference in opinion with Kumar in here um, so the first comment I want to ma- make I- is around your your how you go into this and and I'm sure. You there, but I think maybe for many viewers who are in the stage where it's very exciting, the product's got a lot of affirmation, you've won prizes, etc. There's a big difference between this phase and actually getting it to market. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I want—I uh, think sort of the headline is expect hard. It's going to be hard because when you expect it to be easy, it becomes far more difficult. Right. So I think that's sort of the mental state going in. It's going to be tough, but I'm going to—I'm—I'm I'm behind this. So I'm going to push through. The second thing around there wh- where I slightly disagree from with Kamaran is that I think that the, um, the thousand rand differential, uh, you know, once, once you start getting volume, that differential might come down. I think make that call in terms of that might be at low volumes now, but later on that differential might change both up or down. And if it changes down that there's a 500 rand difference between the two, it might not serve you. To go into the manufacturing right away. Um, My sense of of you is, as as you've also put, is that you are the person, as Lisa and Kamara pointed out, who should go out there. And I think you are very, very compelling as as a salesperson. And the focused areas that I would go into is two distribution spaces. One is, as you've rightly pointed out, the agricultural distribution, and that would be right from putting it into showrooms to going onto the shows, etc. And demonstrating it you'd be out there and listening to to the market but what these guys are going to be doing is going to say yeah you know, I could do that I could make that by myself I'll just take a this and I'll that and I'll weld that and I could do this themselves so you've got to have a counter to that and you're going to hear all that stuff but by, by touching the market and hearing the objections as well so um, I'm actually saying don't just sell it it to to a distributor, go to a show and engage the end user, the mm-hmm. person buying as well. Concurrently, I'd go to the uh, development finance uh, organization, the DFIs institutions, um, and start running a parallel um, campaign there to get masses bought in terms of, you know, 12,000 units and 10,000 mm-hmm. units, big numbers. The why I'd say I run parallel is because my experience in that space is it takes a huge amount of time before that actually converts. And if you spend all your time there, you will starve to death, you know. So rather run them in parallel mm. uh, at, the, at the same time. Please stay tuned to see what's coming up after the break. We'll be right back.
1: Well, ideally, and I yeah. think if we, if we do reflect on, on an ideal situation, when one starts a business, it's great to start with a very clear purpose in mind. Sometimes that doesn't happen.
3: welcome back now in our leadership series today we have somebody really special somebody I've known for a couple of years now a very intriguing CEO of uh, corporate South Africa we'll find out more about that in some of the series to come and we're going to take a completely different track around leadership and particularly around the whole sense of purpose consciousness etc in studio with us today we've got uh, Adam Kraker CEO of, of IQ business welcome
1: Thank you Alon, great right. to be here.
3: Great, and now today we're going to talk about purposeful business, this is something mm. very close to your heart. Mm. So let's start off uh, by finding why. why, why is it close to your heart, why aren't you this cold calculating CEO <laughs> like every
1: other one? Well I am quite cold and calculating <laughs> but there's a warmer side um, and the warmer side I think really came about uh, at, uh, at IQ Business after about 16 years of our existence Um, and it wasn't really that we didn't have a purpose but we hadn't really thought about why we existed we'd focused for our first 16 years on the what and the how of uh, of our organization so it really came to the fore as we reached adolescence and we were 16 years old
3: So so purpose now is, is something that what I'm hearing is that if there's a small business Uh, watching now that sometimes it's it's actually present already Mm. and it's it's for you to tease it out and then articulate it Mm. in a certain way is that Mm. is that the process you went through
1: well ideally and I think if we if we do reflect on on an ideal situation when one starts a business it's great to start with a very clear purpose in mind sometimes that doesn't happen yes Uh, and sometimes the focus and quite rightly is much more on on what the business is there to do uh, and how it goes about executing on that. Um, We were inspired by uh, Simon Sinek, um, and uh, as many people have in his approach to what's called the golden circle. Uh, And uh, he very clearly stated that every business out there knows what they do. A few of them know how they do it, but very few really do know why they do what they do. And that really led us down that path into defining the why. So let's get a little bit practical here. Somebody's saying, okay, that sounds reasonable. How do we
3: take it from that, that statement into getting to a why? Is it, is it about consulting the um, staff? Is it consulting the board? Mm. Like what, what are the processes I need to think mm. about to take mm. this forward to get
1: my purpose? Well, it, it has to be a consultative process. And, and it did involve talking to a range of stakeholders um, connected to our business starting with our iqers as we refer to ourselves and talking to our clients engaging in the marketplace and understanding as a growth enterprise because we really uh, emphasize uh, the growth dynamic Um, none of us were happy with a zero growth economy and i think even today I don't think anybody can be happy. There's now uh, the prospect of growth in our economy. We can see that beginning to uh, unfold before us. And that's what really drove us to define a purpose that was aligned to growth. I'm gonna try and bring this back to small business because this mm. is a small
3: business show. So we, speak, uh, we spoke about clients, we spoke about a board, we spoke about uh, your IQers, which would be your own, st- uh, your own staff. But in a small business, how, how, how should I think about going about this? Is it just me? I'm the founder and entrepreneur? Am I the, the, the person who's going to
1: have to come up with the purpose? Well, I, th- I think uh, there has to be um, a, a validation or uh, quite a deep and conscious uh, thought process. Uh, and uh, I think uh, if I was running a, a brand new startup, uh, certainly, I think the um, the emphasis on, on defining and thinking through what it is that uh, I want to achieve. Mm. Uh, I think there's those two states of happiness and, and being contented. Yeah. Uh, I'm someone that uh, I could say I will never be contented. Hopefully, on my deathbed, I might be able to say, okay, I'm contented now. But I want to be happy. So what is it that drives me to be happy? What is it that I, I feel really... Um, uh, passionate about uh, and engaged on? And is that something that is shared by, by others? Yeah. Um, hopefully by, um, if there are other staff members or members of the team, uh, and, and distinctly in terms of my customers, what is it that I can do to make my customers happy? And does the purpose begin to fall out of that sort of uh, thought process and, and consciousness? But beyond that, in terms of thinking, well, Am I solely here to make a profit and to make myself wealthy? Or am I here for a greater purpose, a bigger reason, a role that I feel that I need to use my company and my enterprise for to achieve that particular outcome? Yeah, The one,
3: the one criticism around Simon Sinek is, is that it's very sexy for, for to hear. It's quite inspirational, as you said, moved her. Business like IQ business to to look for its own purpose, but if I was making cups, ceramic cups, how, like, how do I find my purpose? You know, mm. in like I make ceramic cups. I can't say I am. I don't know. You know, what's a word to allow people to?
1: Uh, imbibe it better hmm. you know well, <laughs> well it, it could be something it could be something like that or it could be uh, something very topical at the moment uh, the plastics uh, pollution that we're seeing around okay. the world now ceramic cups don't create pollution oh. they're a reusable but so maybe my purpose is to eradicate um, plastic vessels that are used on a single um, a mm-hmm. Use basis and replace with ceramic cups, and to motivate people away from, you know, even in the coffee industry, mm-hmm. from using those cardboard cups with the piece of plastic on the top, into a ceramic version with a reusable format that yeah. uh, really creates a greater consciousness and is attractive to customers who are saying, actually, I'm going to I'm going to ditch my old use of products or yeah. uh, other ways into. Uh, aligning with the purpose of this uh, this organisation,
3: and, and th- just to follow on from that, because as you've just responded, uh, you, I, I would come to you. What's the purpose of a, a business that makes ceramic cups? And, you, and you've and uh, it's a very uh, you know cogent argument you've just mm. made. That sounds like a wonderful purpose. But what happens if I don't give a damn about plastic? You know, mm. does it have to align to me, the leader? And if it doesn't. Do I just give up on this purpose thing? Or, or it, and we we're going to talk about the
1: power of it, but mm. you can't just make it up. That's mm. really what the point I'm trying mm. to make. I, I think the world is changing and shifting very rapidly. And I think uh, for any enterprise, um, an enterprise needs skills, resources, needs people that want to be part of that, of that enterprise. And certainly what we're finding in the younger community, the millennials, the youngsters that are coming to our business, they're looking for more than just a salary, they're looking for more than uh, simply uh, a good, fun environment to work in, they're looking to have an impact, they're looking to to broaden their uh, uh, own impact on society, on environment. And that's uh, a very competitive and compelling Uh, differentiation not only for customers but for the people that you want to come and join and be part of your enterprise
3: Adam, we've uh, run out of time I want to pick up next week uh, in the follow-on from from uh, today you mentioned consciousness and we're going to talk about how to build a conscious company Mm. thanks for being on the show thank you very much but I need money now yeah, like it doesn't take away from my need for for cash now. So you
2: want to know what we do, or what you should do, or what what you. Both. Okay. Both. Okay.
3: Welcome back. Uh, as you know, this uh, slot is the expert slot and uh, we are going through a series uh, around finance for small business. So all the do's and don'ts if on a very practical level. We're using our own in-house uh, resource. We're using our guru from the panel section, Kumaran Padyachi. Uh He, of course, is the uh, CEO of Spartan SME Finance um, and he's bringing years of experience to us from a very very practical uh, point of view. Today we are talking about is my funding need uh, real or BS and when I say BS I don't mean big small. Okay (laughs) so what do you mean by that
2: Kamaran? Often uh, people do not understand the nuances uh, that is driving what they need, funding they need. So they typically are reactive and seeking funding to solve a problem without realising that funding won't solve that problem. Hmm. Let me be more specific, right, with that opening vague thing. So um, you'll get a need, I need 2 million rand because I've got a cash flow problem. What's the cash flow problem? Customers paying me late. Hmm. Okay, so if your customers' terms are to pay you 60 days, and that's the industry norm, then that's legitimate, and you do need the funding for that kind of cap. If, however, your customers' and the industry norm is to pay 30 days, but they are paying you 60, then you've got some other underlying problem in your business mm. that you need to, that's, so that's the opening.
3: Yeah, now my, my, my take on that always is when, when I am um, faced with that within the businesses I deal with is I go straight to margin, you know that's my thing, Yes. because I think margin that's is, another it, part is, of it. is one of the most important uh, impa- inputs to cash flow, as in a positive yeah. input to cash yeah. flow. The higher the margin, yeah. the less pain you, you feel. Yes. So do is is is, and and then when you go to the root cause analysis of 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 yes. uh, margin, margin is about value. Yeah. Right. Is yeah. there value there yeah.
2: really? Yeah. So do so you go through all that? Yes. It's starting to. You start. You're on the right track here. Thank you. Thank about you. Uh, for once <laughs> in your life. <laughs> you know. You're on the money. That's exactly what this issue of is your need real or is it bullshit? Right. And. And it, uh, one element is sales. Yes. Right, Because sometimes they say, I have a cash flow gap, but hang on, your sales has dropped. Yeah. So of course, if you've got less sales, there's less money coming in. Problem number one. Yeah. So that's the real problem.
0: But then number two,
2: I'm, And then number two, it's margin. Let's assume the sales are at the right level, yeah. but like you, the point you're making, they're charging too, too low on the markup or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Then you have a small portion as the residual net to pay. That's the second yeah. root problem that there could be. The third one could be that they are not optimizing uh, or bringing forward how uh, their customers pay them. They're allowing them to abuse them and pay out or they're just neglecting that process or whatever it is. Credit control issue. Right. The third, the, that was the third yeah. one, right? So we said yeah. sales could be a root problem. Margin, uh, debtors control, right? Yeah. Uh, the, th- the fourth one is suppliers. Maybe they're paying the suppliers COD or seven or 30 days, but they should be paying the suppliers 60 days. Because they have more leverage, or they could negotiate a bit better, or they're not in tune with what their peers are doing in the industry. Because you know? that's yeah. another way of improving your cash flow, mm. right? Mm. If you pay your doesn't make you too popular, but yes, no. Yeah. But you've got major corporates that are yeah. paying ninety yeah. days. Under it's sad. Yeah. That's yeah. what's happening. But that's a function. I'm just being uh, yeah. you know uh, objective, unemotional about the thing. Yeah. There's a way in which you do it responsibly, yeah. right? But that's it too. Fourth one. Fourth one could be stock. Now, stock, uh, you know, if you're in a business that's selling some items, and to the extent that's lying on the shelves and not moving quite fast, that's money on the shelf. Mm. So that's, you know, the longer it stays there, the more funding you need to fix up that symptom. Mm. But the underlying problem is your stock is not moving fast, or you're overstocked. You just buy on ego, or you buy anything, or you're not forecasting how you buy properly, all these kinds of things. Another one for a services-based business that maybe doesn't have stock. It could be that uh, they're typically running projects. And if your project pipeline is not consistent, then you've got feast or famine, right? And then so you've you've got projects and you're hiring people. And then the next thing you know, uh, you don't have projects again. You've got this famine for three months. So these are all underlying rules. And then, of
3: course, there's, there's expenses and all these different things. So you go through them, right? Right. Now. So that's fine. So you're the funder. I'm the fundee, right. right? And and I come to you, and you do this root cause analysis, and say so really, along you don't really have a funding issue. You've got a margin issue, or you've got a sales issue, or you've got a credit control issue, whatever the case may be. But I need money now. Yeah. Like it doesn't take away from my need for, for cash now. So you want
2: to know what we do, or what you should do, or what what to both. Okay. Both. So what we do on that instance is that we look and say, okay. Hang on, this root problem is a big problem. Then we have to make a determination can it be fixed? Does the entrepreneur have the wherewithal, the realization that he is there, the problem, and the willingness or commitment to sort that out? If we believe no, you don't fund. Don't fund, because that root cause is always going to be unattended. If we believe the realization is there, or the, and, and the ability to, then we do it maybe in phases and with a condition. We say, okay, you need five, here's two now in part one, yeah. and a part of the loan is that you sort this out and come see us in three months' time and we'll release the balance. So there's a remediation trying to help. But is the reverse also true, that I do the same with you? I say, okay, that's good input,
3: so don't give me the five. Let, do I, is it good that I proactively approach you as the funder and say to you, I need five, when you identify the root cause is X, I'll work on this. Give me two or one. Yeah. I'll get the, And then if I yes. fix it, then, and then I'll prove to you that Great. I'm serious. There you go. Would that make you more yes.
2: ingratiated? To, y- to y- yeah, to long as long as he's not faking it and selling it, yeah. you know, uh, and not selling it. I you would got, never do that. Yeah. So, <laughs> and not playing. But you can read that, the yeah. psychology of that. The, but the key thing here is that we all make mistakes. We all have weaknesses. It's the realization and acceptance of that and then the commitment to do something about that. Then you can back the jockey. But if the jockey is blind about the problem and doesn't give rocks about sorting it out, then we're not going to go down a path. No, f- no funder will go down a path with that. Makes sense.
3: Well, we, we we're sort of running out of time here. So just yes, just, quick. uh, just uh, very quickly, just as a as a percentage of of you know, real funding requirements versus BS. What is your experience in the market? way, And really what I'm asking is, because it's a self-reflection, if I'm going to, fu- yeah. to fund and it's a 50-50, yeah. I need to analyse so myself first.
2: This is entirely subjective based on our context. Yeah. And I'm going to give you two different answers for the two. One, probably like a third of all funding requests is Ill- illegitimate. Yes. And number two, all legitimate funding requests have an element of inefficiency and wastage in these things I'm talking about. So maybe they legitimately need three and they're asking for for five. So every business could do with some kind of uh, uh, tightening up on these on these root issues we spoke about.
3: Fantastic. It's a good place to, to end it there. Well, that's it uh, for today's show. I hope you enjoyed uh, the insight into real BS. I can't say that word on air. Kumaran is the only one who can say it big small, uh, uh, root of big small uh, funding requirements. Um, we will continue this uh, series over the next couple of weeks, not every week from we will intermittently add these in to keep you interested and uh, in between we'll add all sorts of other uh, experts uh, slots to help you build your business. Well it's time for my reflections for today and today I want to talk about the numbers you know this year seems to be thematically that uh, I'm speaking to a lot of young entrepreneurs who are coming to me talking about their businesses and their business ideas and uh, they really fall into two categories category one is those people who know their, their numbers backwards and I feel confident to talk about investing in them to assisting them or whatever the case may be. And category two are those people who don't know their numbers who come to me with a a sense of well I you know I've just got this idea and I don't have to take the responsibility around knowing my numbers I think uh, there are a number of numbers in inverted commas that you need to know as an entrepreneur the first is if you ever are sitting in front of an investor a mentor whatever the case may be where you're talking about your business and they ask you about your past numbers I think it's critical that you understand what you've done until now if somebody says to you what sort of turnover have you done in the last year you need to have that at, at, at the tips of your your or the tip of your tongue if they ask you what's what's the net profit or what's your GP percentage you've got to know those numbers another big uh, number to know is your break even a lot in fact, far too many entrepreneurs that I sit in front when I ask them at what point does this business break even, they say, uh, well, in the region of and you can feel that they 're just making it up. if you don 't understand where your break even point is you don 't expect an investor to have any confidence in you because it reflects that they that you are not taking your numbers seriously and taking your numbers seriously is probably one of the most important deciding factors that an investor and a banker, a financier uh, makes uh, in terms of whether they're going to finance or invest in you or not. So know your numbers, know your balance sheet, know your income statement, know your break even, know your cash flow, know your GP percent and know your past numbers. Well, that's it for my uh, reflections for today. Um, Remember, if you think it, write it down and make it a reality.
1: The courage to grow is business. The Big Small Business Show made possible by MTN Business, a new world of business.
0: And by Chartered Accountants of South Africa. Lead your industry with a responsible partner. Partner with the CASA today.